Well, good morning. So I'm setting myself up for failure after following him up at Christmas Carol. I don't know if I can entertain as well as that. Um, but honestly, another reason why, too, is I'm not feeling very good, so I probably sound like a Muppet today. So at least the transition will be a pretty easy one going through if I sound like Gonzo at the end here. So, as you can maybe figure out, um, our series theme is going off of Charles Dickens' tale um, of A Christmas Carol, and so we decided to call it The Ghost of Christmas Past. Um, today, I will be talking um, or representing The Ghost of Christmas Past, which is always played mostly by a little girl, so I don't know what that means or what you can speak into that, but that is my role today, is to show us our past in Christmas. Um, before I get much further than this, I do want to just um, note... That I understand that for some of us, Christmas can be a difficult season for us. Um, whether we maybe lost someone we love, it's just a hard financial time, um, you know, or there are many other things that can fall into that. Um, and today I want to let you know that I don't want to mitigate nor minimize what you're going through and the pain that you're feeling. Um, I lost my grandma last November. Um, and so for her, like, traditions of Christmas always centered around my grandmother, and we'd always go to her house to celebrate. And so with that now gone, it was an interesting change of life, and it was a difficult thing that I think our family is still working through. Um, and so with that, we understand that there is that reality to that. Um, but what I hope that I can bring to you guys today um, is that at least when you walk through these doors, that you know that you're not alone in that. Um, no matter how much you're hurting or how much you feel alone, that you're not, um, that God loves you and that God is with you in that, and that your church is with you in that, and that you're not alone. And so I want to bring that up just to make sure that that's clear that, you know, even though it's a fun season and we have a fun time with that, that there are hurting people. Um, so as a church, I'd suggest, you know, be on the lookout for that and be that loving hand to those that are struggling during this season. Now with that, we're going to open up here. Um, and another thing, too, before I get into this, um, I know as an electronic media professional, it's always something that you never show the behind the scenes to people because it kind of ruins the magic and illusion that you have of control. Um, but I do want to give a shout-out to Logan and to the staff behind there. Um, I've thrown Logan a couple of wrenches this morning, and he's been really great about being flexible. So thank you so much, you guys. You're going to make me look good, hopefully, right? <laughs> so with that, we don't have a clicker, so I'm going to kind of be going through this, so I apologize. I have to look at the screen. But first, let's start out here with a quick review of the Christmas Carol, right? I want to make sure that everyone understands I love this story. Um, it's probably one of my most favorite Christmas traditions. Every year we watch a Muppet Christmas Carol. That has to happen at the Zafke household. Um, so you guys are all a part of the Zafke household because you found, you got to see a little bit of that. And I bet a lot of you are going to leave these doors and rent that and watch it because it's that great. But anyway, let me give you a quick review for SparkNote people. All right, SparkNotes is basically you do one, one book and you can really get through it very quickly. I'm going to give you a SparkNote version of a Christmas Carol. Basically, it starts off with your main character. His name is Ebenezer Scrooge. He is a grumpy old man that has been worn down by life. He is greedy. He is angry. He is not fun. He is not loving. He is just, just an awful man. He lives in the 1850s of London. And one night, his business partner, who has recently died, his name is Jacob Marley, he comes to him and he warns him that you are doomed to be just like me unless you change your ways. And he tells him that, you know, it's Christmas Eve, and tonight you're going to be visited by three spirits. And so those three spirits are, you get the first one, the ghost of Christmas past, which is basically a little child that's um, always on fire, like it's represented by fire, so kid on fire. And then the other one, he's also visited by knockoff Santa. And then the last one, he's visited by the Grim Reaper. So basically all three of them come to him, and they show him, you know, how awful of a person he is and, you know, what the true spirit of Christmas is. 
And then with that, after that whole, you know, that whole night, he wakes up Christmas morning and he's a changed man. Now, if that's a very interesting story for you and you're like, I have, I've never read this book. I've never do, done that before. Go ahead and do yourself a favor and just watch A Muppet Christmas Carol. That'll take it up for you. Probably the best representation of that book. Charles Dickens would approve for sure. But so, you know, as we talk about this and as we want to set, my goal today is to help you guys build a firm foundation. Um, the ghost of Christmas past, what she did for Ebenezer Scrooge is took him back to his past and showed him who he was before he became this grumpy old miser and showed him why he got to the steps of where he was at now. And she helped kind of show him that and build that foundation. So my, my job, hopefully today, will help build that foundation for you guys. Um, but we're not here to build it upon a story, you know, or a whimsical Christmas. Um, we're here to build our foundation on Christ. And so we're going to take you way back into all of our past and show you that our main foundation, our main Christmas past, is found in Jesus Christ and is found in the Christmas story that we read um, in Luke. So with that, I'm going to go, you want to go to the next slide here, Logan? So first off, what we need to do is we need to answer the question, why did Jesus come, right? If we're going to answer that question, we need to really understand why does Jesus need to come at all? It's, we want to put that, we don't want to put the cart before the horse. Um, so first off, the Bible makes it very clear um, that we are all default bad, all right? We are sinful people. Um, Romans 3.23 says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, when we look at today, we see that most people would say, well, I'm a good person, right? I'm naturally good. I don't do that many bad things. And they go about doing this. And we need to understand that, no, like, we are all bad. Um, we are all sinners in that. Um, and Romans 6.23 says that for the wages of sin, so because we're sinners, we, our wages, our payment is death. And so that can be two weighty verses. Um, these are Roman road verses for those who grew up in the church. These are verses that you, you know, learned how to memorize when you were a kid. Um, but what it does is Romans 6.23 says that, you know, hey, because you're sinners, you know, death awaits us. But there's a beautiful but in that. Well, there is a good word. Um, that but in Romans 6 says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it shows us our condition. It shows us the result of that condition, but that's not it. It says that, you know, we have a gift, and that gift is Jesus Christ. And then the other verse that I have with that, um, Logan, if you want to switch slides here real quick. You can switch past that one here. I skipped that one. John 14, 6 tells us um, that Jesus is the only way. That's another thing I think we hear a lot of today is that, you know, well, there are multiple ways. If you're really just good people, you'll find it. Something will come to be. Um, but Jesus, with John 14, 6, makes it very clear that he is the only way. He is the truth and the life. And that true, that true gift, that true life um, can be found only in Jesus. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we get so excited when we talk about the birth of Jesus is because that is our foundation. As Christians, as a church, this is where we set ourselves for that. So one thing, um, Logan, if you want to go back here, I was going to ask a couple questions here before. And I think um, when Charles Dickens was writing A Christmas Carol, as I was doing my research, it's interesting to see that he was going through some of the same things that we hear 
um, today. Um, it's very similar. He grew up in the later half of the 1800s in England. And at this time, we saw things such as the scientific revolution, the industrial revolution. We had Charles Darwin with his theories of evolution talking about that. Um, a lot of structures were being shifted and moved upon, um, as well as communication. It was becoming increasingly fast compared to what they had done before. So a lot of changing, a lot of moving. And one thing that Charles Dickens had a really hard time struggling with within the midst of all this is how the church responded to these changes. And there's a couple quotes on the back here um, that Charles Dickens has written in some of his, um, some of his stories and some of his literature um, and he really was kind of confrontational with the church. He grew up within the church. He had connections to the church, but I think he had a hard time kind of placing himself within the church. And the reason why is because he saw a lot of hypocrisy within the church. He saw, you know, people say one thing and then go out and do another. Um, and like that first quote that he says basically says that, you know, some people are so proper and so prim with their religion that it's just awful to be around. It's not a good place to be. Um, and so I think Charles Dickens really struggled with that, and you can see that within his literature. And in A Christmas Carol, I think there is good bits and pieces of the Christmas story and of the gospel, but I want to make it clear that he really misses a mark um, when he talks about the transformation of Major Scrooge. So basically, you know, we have this guy who goes through, you know, this ghost haunting, which I always think is funny. It's like, this is a Christmas story? Like, this is like a better Halloween story. It's a ghost story. But within these three spirits, they show him that, you know, hey, you're a bad guy. You really need to change your act because you're basically, you know, dooming yourself to a life of misery after you die. Um, and so he finds it within himself to change, right? Within that story, he wakes up and he's like, I don't want to be a bad person anymore. And he becomes a good person. And he says that I will strive to be different than what I was. And I think a lot of secular world will agree with that and be like, yeah, that can happen. But we know as Christians, right, that that transformation can't happen without a really main component, right? Jesus. And so I think Scrooge kind of misses that, or not Scrooge, but I think uh, Charles Dickens misses that because he's, for him, it's like, we can change. If we just make that our mission to be a better person, we'll save ourselves. And that's not true. We need Christ to save ourselves. That's why Christ is so integral to the story within that. So within that story, we're going to go to Luke here, and we're going to talk a little bit about Jesus Want to go to the slides there, Logan, here? One thing to touch on, too. Sorry, Logan, go back real quick. Um, we just talked about the heroes of faith um, within our last sermon series, and I thought this fit really nicely because the Bible and the Old Testament and the New Testament, it points to Jesus. It always points to Christ. And within the Old Testament, we see all these heroes of faith and all these men and women who did great things for God. But what happened is that, you know, they had their, they had their misgivings. They had their failures. They weren't perfect with that. But then we see the last hero of faith is Jesus. And it's interesting enough because it even says in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, that he is the author and perfecter of our faith. That within Christ, the culmination of God's plan has come to be. Jesus is the one. Everyone else just pointed to Christ. Everyone was maybe a representation of who Christ really was. And that's the main component that we need to take is that Christ is the one that we should be looking for. No one else it's Jesus. It's Jesus is the one that we need to celebrate within that time. And then Logan, you want to switch for me here? Perfect. So what does the Christmas story tell about Jesus? He tells us that he came as a human baby. Now, I know for most of us, we know the Christmas story. If you grew up in the church, we do. For those who didn't grow up in the church, I want to read some of this because I want to make sure, I don't want to just assume we all did, and I don't want to just assume that we all know the Christmas story. 
Um, so I'm going to go through that here, starting in Luke 2. We're going to go with verses 1 through 7. Feel free to follow along with me, um, but I will read it as well. Um, and it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration where Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, I know as a child, I didn't really get it, but think about this, that God came to earth as a human baby. And I think, you know, we see that celebrated. We see that on Christmas cards. We see that in outdoor decorations. And I think sometimes we don't really let it sink in that, you know, we're talking about God here, right? God could have chosen to come as anything. He could have chosen to come as a fully grown man. He could have chosen to come as like a fully grown man who's like Superman. He could have chose many different variations to come as. And he chooses to come as a meek and tiny baby boy. You want to advance the slides here, Logan? So with that, there are two things that are paramount to this. The first is the virgin birth, because it's a sign of the divine fulfillment in Jesus and his divinity. So prophecies of old talked about this. In Isaiah 7, 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And that is in the Old Testament, and it's foreshadowing and showing that one day the Messiah will come, and this is how he'll come. It was a sign for that when people saw this, they would know this is our Messiah. It's also interesting that it is a virgin birth because it also shows that there's a supernatural component to this. It's not just the typical average human birth. There's a supernatural component that, to, to that as well. Isaiah 9 says, For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Once again, that's in the Old Testament, foreshadowing and showing that this is what the Messiah will be. He will be a baby. He will come as that. And then a human baby is also a sign of his humanity. I think we really can't miss this either when it says that Jesus is able to be our perfect counselor, our perfect representative, because he was a human, completely and holy, as much as he was God, completely and holy. I don't know about you, but I want somebody that can represent me in my worst moments. And that's Jesus. Because if Jesus truly was human, like the Bible says, it means that he would struggle with everything and he would feel everything that a human would feel. And yet, the Bible says that he was without sin. So basically, when we look at the Old Testament, when we talk about you know, the, the warriors of our faith and those people who really stood out in the Bible, they were still with sin. What makes Jesus different from everyone else is that he was without sin in that. And then we see here in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 with that, it says, Since then we have a great high priest or representative who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let, um, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin." Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. I think it makes it very clear that in Hebrews that we do not have to worry that God's not going to understand 
because he does. He's been there before us. He has gone through those tribulations and he knows what we're going through and he can represent us in that way as our high priest. And you want to go to the next slide here, Logan, for us? So I think Dr. Jer- David Jeremiah puts it really well for us um, because there can be this confusion of how can God be fully human and fully God? That doesn't make sense. Like either one or the other, right? And I think Dr. David Jeremiah um, does a really great job of saying that Jesus is the one like no other for he was fully human yet fully divine. Simultaneously, nothing about his humanity could detract from his godliness and nothing about his godliness could detract from his humanity. Only because this is true can he be reconciled, um, that he can reconcile the Father in heaven with his children on earth. He is the man of both worlds. He is the bridge by which God comes to earth and people come to heaven. That's what makes Jesus that much more important in the Christmas story, is that he is the bridge from humanity to God. No other person in history has ever fulfilled that. That is within Christ. And that is why when John 14, 6 says that Jesus is the only way, it makes it very clear. There is no other way, and this is why. It's because he's both God and both man. He's able to be that bridge for us. And then Logan, want to switch over here for? So then what else does the Christmas story say about that? So the Christmas story within Luke says that Jesus came to all people. And I'm going to start here in chapter 2, starting off in 8, going to 16 here for the verses. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be excuse me, a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to the Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. So you want to advance the slide for me here, Logan? So we see within this, we need, with any story, we want to kind of note out the characters and what they represent, who they are. So within this, we see that the first ones that we're introduced to in this Christmas story is going to be Mary and Joseph, right? Um, And looking through Mary and Joseph, there's really nothing remarkable about who they are. In that time period, Mary and Joseph were your average Joes, right? So Joseph was a carpenter. That was his skill by trade. And Mary was just a young girl who's betrothed to Joseph. They were regular folks within that. And, you know, if Jesus was just a normal human being, he would probably grow up to be a carpenter, just like his dad. Because back in the times um, of the Bible, back in that culture, basically you would just take on the same trade that your father had. It would continue down the generational line. Um, so there was nothing remarkable about them. They were not royalty. They were not in any city that would have been a larger city. They were in a smaller town of Nazareth at that time wasn't a huge hub, um, wasn't a very small, small city, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything grand like New York City or London is today. So there was really nothing remarkable about them. And yet God chose to work through them. Our other characters that we have are the shepherds. Now notice that these people are, are the first people that the angels appear to and share with them the good news of Jesus' birth. Now shepherds in the time of Jesus were not very high on the scale of classes. They were on the lower scale of the class. 
Um, they weren't really well liked just because their, what their job entailed them to do. They were loners. They were kind of out in the fields with their sheep all the time. So they were dirty. They smelled. They didn't really probably have customs like those people in the cities. And the people in the cities looked down upon them because they were kind of like the rednecks of their time. So people really didn't, you know, they weren't high on anyone's scale. Especially if you were to ask people, hey, who do you think Jesus would, you know, come to first? Or who do you think the angels will go to first and tell about this great news of Jesus? Shepherds would be probably on that lower level list of, there's no way. Like, really, shepherds? Like, come on. So the shepherds were what we would want to say is culture's undesirables. If we can put into a scale of people who might fit that schedule today within that, we would say maybe like people who are homeless or even maybe people who are immigrants, who are working out in the fields, who you know, are illegal aliens. We kind of view them as these just awful people that really have no, there's nothing that we need to love them for, you know, whatever it might be, politics aside, these people are what we would call undesirable. And yet if we think about that is that if Christ came today, he would show up to those people first. I think that really needs to sink with us and be like, wow, like God's message of the gospel and God's love for all people truly is for all people. He also appeared to the wise men, though. He also appeared to those who are rich and powerful. The wise men, we know, are rich and powerful by what they're able to do. They, um, they see the star, shows that they are looking up into the night sky, so they probably have some inclinations of astrology, at the time to study the stars, you'd have to have a lot of expensive mechanisms. So you'd have to be a pretty well-to-do person to be able to kind of have that. They're also coming with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. At the time of Christ, those were very expensive. And the normal person would not have those things. And so we see that they do have some wealth behind them. But we also see that they are looking. They see the star, and they also come to worship the Messiah. And last but not least, I feel like we kind of forget about them because they're not in our you know, front yard display of the figurines. But we need to keep in mind that Jesus also came for King Herod and the scholars. Right? These were ignorant and evil people. And in the story, they're not painted very well. Um, for those of you who don't know the story very well, King Herod at the time was the king of Judea. So he was the king of the Jews. And so when the wise men come to King Herod and say, hey, we've come to give these gifts to the new king, He's kind of like, wait a minute, like, I'm the king. What are you talking about? Like, there is no other king. And so within the Bible, it says that he plots to kill Jesus as a baby. He plots to get rid of Jesus because for him, he's like, I'm king, and I'm not going to let another king absurd me from that. So he's a very evil man with very evil intentions. The scholars in the Bible story that we see are the ones that go through the Old Testament to figure out for King Herod where the baby will be born. Now, it's interesting that the story doesn't really say that, and the scholars went with the wise men because they realized, holy cow, the Messiah is being born in Bethlehem. Like, I should go and see this too. Now, I'm not sure if any of them did, but the Bible you know, says the wise men went with. So the scholars should have known, though, if they, know, if they knew their Old Testament and their Torah correctly, they should know that, hey, here are the signs that will happen when the Messiah comes to earth. They read it, they saw it, and yet they were ignorant to that. But God came for both those people as well. God came to love and save the ignorant and the evil with that as well. And I think we forget that. I think we need, as we spread the Christmas cheer and as we talk to people, there are going to be some bad apples, right? There are going to be some grumpy people. I know for myself, I was one of those grumpy people yesterday. Went to go buy diapers. We went to Burnsville Target, and Burnsville Target was like a mess. And I was just a grump because I'm like, all I want is diapers. 
And I have to like, like the lines were just crazy long to check out. And it's like, I don't want to sit here for 20 minutes. Like I just need diapers. So I was kind of that grouch. So I know that there are going to be people out there. The holiday tends to bring out the really worst, like the best and the worst in us um, at times. And so we just need to understand that God loves those people as well and that we need to as well with that. All right, Logan, if you want to advance here. So then last but not least here, we read that Luke um, 2, 17 through 18, the last little tidbit is that, you know, God is, Jesus is so great. This story is so wonderful that we have to tell it. We should be telling it. We should be shouting it from the mountains. And this is what the shepherds did. In verse 17, it says, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. The shepherds didn't just stay in the manger. They didn't just see Jesus and then go on their way and say, Hey, that was cool. It changed them from the inside so much. They're like, I need to tell other people about this. This is amazing. This whole thing that's unfolding I can't just conceal it. I can't take it for myself. And so for them, they were like, I need to go and tell other people. I need to go and share this good news. So as we do that, my challenge for you is that as we're going through this, that we really need to start sharing that good news in any way that we can. And um, I think for us, that's always different in where we're at. Time and place can always be a different thing as well. Um, but we really should be always ready and willing to share the wonderful foundation of Christmas is that, you know, Christ has come and that's a good thing. It's the gospel. It's the good news is because within us, we have no way of saving ourselves because we're not good people. We struggle with our sins. We struggle with our follies. But thank God that God gave us a, gave us a gift, gave us a gift of Jesus that we don't have to be that bridge between God and man. That Jesus is that bridge. Jesus can give us that you know, good news for us and the good testament. So if you find yourselves in that boat today, you're like, yes, I love Jesus. I follow Jesus. Take that with you today. For now, maybe the other, there might be some of you in here who are like, you know, this is the first time I've ever heard the Christmas story told to me in this way. Or this is the first time I've ever heard that, what, I'm not a good person? That's not my default? Like if those are questions that, you know, for you you're having right now, you know, we would love to walk you through that. We would love to walk you through Romans Road and share the good news of Jesus with you. And so if you're there today, don't walk out without talking either to me or to somebody in the prayer corner. They would love to minister to you. And I'll be over that way too. We would love to have that conversation um, because the great thing, the great news and the gift of Jesus is that it's easy to accept him to it's easy to accept him, right? It's not an easy walk. I don't by any means want to say that it's easy to be a Christian because it's not. But Jesus makes it very approachable for you to come to him and come to know him. That's why he came as a baby, right? A baby is approachable. Baby's not scary. A baby is a welcoming expression of God's love for humanity. He didn't come to conquer humanity. He came to conquer sin. He came to conquer death. He came to conquer the devil. May that be good news to you. May you know that he loves you. He doesn't want to conquer you. He wants to love you and he wants to save you. And so if you're there today, let that be. Let that overwhelm your spirit and open yourself up to Christ. So with that, as we walk out through these doors, may we know that our past has a firm foundation in Jesus Christ. And I know that we can kind of lose that with all the glitz and the glam of Christmas. Um, and some of us can kind of push that away and be like, you know, I don't want anything to do with that. But I will say this, that there is an heir of Christ 
in Christmas, no matter where it is, there's always tidbits of truth. So what are some things that you can take those tidbits from and share the good news of Jesus with others? So be happy on this Christmas. You know, find peace in this Christmas. And I know for some of us that may be more difficult than others. But once again, how I, how I open is how I close. You're not alone. You have a family that surrounds you here in this church that loves you and wants to encourage and support you and strengthen you. You know, and much better than just us because we're sinful people and we struggle and we have our own problems. We have Jesus, right? The author and perfecter of our faith. He is the true representative for humanity that gets us and that can get us completely. And so there's nothing that's too far from Christ. So with that, I'm just going to close in prayer and just to, that the Holy Spirit would kind of come upon us and just open our hearts to that. So please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Um, we just thank you for just the joy of the season and for the fun that it brings, Lord, for the stories like A Christmas Carol that can really kind of help point us to you. And I pray that that would be, as we go out throughout Christmas, that we would see things that would point back to the main foundation, to the main past, is Jesus. And may we remember that. And may that give us great joy. And may we be able to share and spread that great joy with others this holiday season. And Lord, I also pray for those who are in the stages of maybe questioning or want to know more, Lord. I pray that you just give them boldness. And I pray that you just give them courage to continue that conversation, Lord. Wrestle with their hearts and let them know that they are loved and that they're not alone in this walk in life. And Lord, I just pray that you would just soften our hearts, Lord. Whatever it was of me, I pray that that would fall away, but that was whatever of you, I pray that that would sink in. And may we just really take that to heart. And may we just chew on that, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this church. We thank you for the times and the freedoms that we have. Lord, and may you just use that for your kingdom's glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.